So I texted her and I was like, I had no fly. And she was like, oh, I'm so jealous. She's like, I want. I never, ever, ever had to do that. And I wanted to do it. I feel like it's a rite of passage. I know, I feel like I didn't really play the part. My name's Quincy. My name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men. But keep your thumb away from that skip button. We're here to talk. And maybe scream. About our favorite women in musical theater. Guys, I started watching Drag Race from beginning to end. It's always been something I've known was a thing, but I never actually got into it. I actually kind of blame Kevin for not getting me into it sooner because Kevin has been a fan and I've known that Kevin watches it and he's never taken the leap to tell me to watch it. My only response, Quincy, is that you're a grown-ass man and you shouldn't need to be told to watch a television show. Sometimes you rely on your friends to shepherd you through certain things and make sure that you're aware of certain things in pop culture. Quincy, I refuse to be gaslit into thinking that it's my fault that you didn't watch Drag Race until 2020. Also, I think we deserve credit for the fact that you're watching Drag Race for the first time and that's not what we started a podcast about. Because <laughs> that podcast would be unhinged. I feel like Drag Race is truly something else. Based on the fact that every time you ask me a question about Drag Race, you get like a six-page text in response, I think it's best. And if you guys don't watch Drag Race, they have different categories each episode where the queens have to dress up according to the category. You're the only person who doesn't know. This is a whole new world for me. If I was going to be on Drag Race and there was an Emerald City challenge, I would wear the Stephanie Torrance costume that we talked about last episode with the Bride of Frankenstein hair. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the look, right? Fun fact, I did go in drag as Alphaba for Halloween two or three years ago. And I was um, the featured image in the Playbill.com Broadway Halloween costume roundup. So such a claim for that costume. Such a claim. It's fully because my friend Felicia works <laughs> at Playbill, but don't give away the secrets. Just let the people think. Okay. Hashtag keep the secrets. Okay. Back to what you're all here for. Wicked. <laughs> Kevin. Yes. Who are our guests today? Who are our guests? Plural. Okay. Well, Quincy, our guests are two women who are both alphabas and who, I'm sorry, are related. I mean, anyone listening to this is already going to know who it is. So our two guests today are Donna and Natalia Vivino. Donna Vivino, who was standby extraordinaire on the first national tour and then lead on first national tour mm-hmm. and then standby extraordinaire on Broadway for, I feel like, a very long time. A while, yeah. Mm-hmm. I really feel like Donna Vivino is a staple alphaba. I feel like Donna Vivino is a staple, period. In case anyone needed to be reminded, the original Cosette, young Cosette, she was doing seven shows a week in Les Mis as a child as young Cosette. Yeah. Not today. How many Matildas were there? I guess Matilda is a heavier show for the child, though. Well, yeah, Matilda carries the show. She's the titular role, Quincy. (laughs) (laughs) But so we have Ms. Donna Vivino and her younger sister, Natalia Vivino, who was the current Alphaba standby on tour before everything closed down because of COVID. And wait, Quincy, wasn't Donna was on tour with Cats when everything shut down? So they were both on tour. Yeah, Donna was Grizabella on the Cats tour when everything shut down. And I love the idea of two sisters playing Alphaba. Never been done before. As far as I know. I don't think so either. And I feel like enough people aren't talking about that. I think it's so cool. So we're going to talk about it. Yes, please. Can't wait. But Quincy, before we do that, you want to give me a little stuck on SJB? 
I have a really good stock on SJB. I really hope you haven't seen it. And I kind of, not to be offensive, but I don't think you have seen it. It is Stephanie J. Block, uh-huh. circa 1997, the year of my birth. I have to go. <laughs> Starring as Nellie Forbush in South Pacific. Have you seen this? I've seen it. All right, fine. I had truly never seen it before. Full disclosure, I have only seen it because my farewell to the great American stage was South Pacific. So I was like very into that rabbit hole at the time. I see, I see. But tell me about it anyway. Okay, so I stumbled across this video. I saw the title. I think it was like Stephanie J. Block in South Pacific. And I was like, what? Miss Block in a golden age musical? Because that's something that we don't really get to see from her. So I click on it and I watch it. There's a lot of book scene before the song. It's Cockeyed Optimist that we're getting into. Wait, then I haven't seen this one. You haven't seen it? I've seen Wonderful Guy, but not Cockeyed Optimist. Okay, no. So it's Cockeyed Optimist. Mm -hmm. And the one section that I really... Okay, so I want you to watch it because it truly... Suck on a dough with a thing called hope and I can't get it out of my heart. Belted. Belted. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the same in Wonderful Guy. The, um, and if you'll excuse the expression I use, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. Like over and over and over. And it's just like so in the mask mm-hmm. all the way forward. Because here's the thing, it was a belt, but it wasn't an obnoxious belt. It was not a contemporary belt. Okay, sure. That's how you put it. It was a period appropriate full chest voice, not a belt. There is a difference. Kevin, I feel like every episode you will like say something that truly impresses me so much where I'm like, wow. <laughs> hey, Quincy, are you missing the thrills and drama of Broadway? I am. Well, Resident Dramatics and twin brothers Connor and Dylan McDowell are bringing you all that and more on their podcast, Drama. Oh my God, Kevin, I've heard of that podcast. I also heard that they're joined weekly by thrilling special guests, and together they explore theater, entertainment, pop culture, and the vibrance of love and life in New York City, with new episodes every Wednesday. Plus, Sentimental Men listeners are in for a huge treat as they have had some of our favorite Alphabas, some of my favorite Glindas, some of our favorite Fieros, and even a Nessa Rose or two on the pod. So follow them at The Drama Podcast and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Drama. Drama. When we were kind of planning out who we wanted on as guests, we were like, we have to have the Vivinos because that's such a unique and crazy story that you both. It is. really is, right? Yeah. Donna, we were just talking to Natalia about it a little bit, about kind of her origin story and how Wicked entered her life kind of through you. Um, You know, she was telling us that, you know, she was 12 when she first saw you do the role. Um, Where were you in your life when Wicked entered your peripheral? Gosh, I mean, I probably was around Natalia's age, maybe a year or two older. I don't know. I can't do math. But I know that I saw saw Adina. Whoa. Yeah. And then I saw the original cast, and then I joined the show five years later, and I'm still in my 20s. So somebody can figure that out. So, and what's interesting, I think, is that it and Donna, it entered your life when you were an actress and you were doing the thing. You know what I mean? You, it entered your vicinity kind of in that regard, whereas Natalia, you were more of a fan, I would imagine, at age yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were not, like, looking for the auditions at that point. No, right? You were just like, yeah, this is so cool. Course, every, every 12-year-old girl at some point... I think I could do this. 
in all honesty, I was watching it and thinking, oh my God, I like to sing, but I was still so shy at the time. Like I was like, I don't know how she does that. Like that's, um, oh my gosh. I wonder if that's like scary or like if it's fun or is it really hard? Like I just was like overwhelmed by it in the best way. It was amazing to see you do it. So was Donna the first time that you saw Wicked? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So I was fangirling so hard. (laughs) Okay. So can we do a quick run through of each of your audition processes just to how we got the role of Elphaba? Donna, let's start with you. Okay. Um, I always wanted to audition for Wicked, but they would never see me for it because they were like, yeah, uh, I don't know. Like you're just not right for the show. Did I hear that someone told you you were a Glinda? Kind of. I was doing Martin Short, uh, which was a comedic part. So you immediately, you know, everyone was like, oh, well, I guess you're Glinda, but you don't sing that way. So there's nothing for you in the show. And I'm like, well, I you can sing that way, but you're right. And I, when I was doing Martin Short, I, the uh, associate director on that show was also the second associate director. They used to have two. And so I said, oh, wow, you know, I'd really love to audition for that show. Um, and then I got this call from my agent maybe six months later saying they want to see you for Wicked. Um, they're giving you like the alphabet packet. But listen, like I'm like, no, I don't expect anything. When I showed up, every single alphabet cover in every company at that moment was there. Oh my God. And I had never been in the show. So I looked around. I actually got very relaxed because I went, oh, they're literally just being nice. Paul was just like, let her come in and sing the stuff. And I was right. like, not a chance. This is never going to happen for me today. How fun that I'll get to sing this. And then I got a call three weeks later that I got the part of the standby on tour. But my agent said to me, I knew the next day, like they called the next day and they were like, y- you're going to get it. So I had one audition for Wicked, which is really one and done. Yeah, but I had 14 for Hairspray. So I, I paid my dues. I love watching Natalia listen to that story. I've never heard she was as floored as Quincy and I were. Natalia, what about you? My first time I ever went out for Wicked, I was 20 and I knew I was like, I'm way too young. But I was like, if I could just get a call back, I'll be happy. Like if I just don't want to make a fool of myself. Like that was my first national tour Broadway audition. That alone was like, ooh, to me, like, like, don't just don't be bad. Oh my gosh, what a blessing in disguise this was. I went and my heart was beating out of my chest. I was very, very physically nervous, which is something that doesn't normally happen to me as much in an audition, but because this was just so big in my mind, I was like, oh, and luckily I had an appointment, but they were running behind. But I like ended up just like playing this little like mazes game on my phone. And I just like, and then I was able to physically calm down. I went in the room and I remember the acoustics felt so good. So I just started like living in it and I was like having a great time and it all worked out and they called me back and I got to, I got to finish the callbacks in LA and then that was it. And my agent was like, well, they they were very pleased and they've put you on file. And I'm like, okay. And then I moved on. And then the next year around the same time I did the entire process again Mm -hmm. and then nothing and then I thought okay and then the year after that I went to the open call (laughs) I didn't know that yeah and I did the eight bar thing with like it was crazy like it's eight bars acapella in and out it's very what What did you sing I sang the end of monster from frozen but as that was happening and I got an email that I had an appointment the next day so I was like all right like cool." cool 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 And then I went back and everybody at that appointment was either SAG or AEA. Mm. 
Yeah. So I, and I was non-union and I was like, oh, okay, like they, they want to cast union people or there's something, I don't know. And, and then I did it and it was over. And six months later I got a call and my agent was like, are you available in like late August, September? And I was like, yeah, like why? And he's like, yeah. do you, um, you, you good with going on a tour potentially? And I was like, <laughs> what tour? And I was shocked. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, they're looking for a new standby. Um, they're tossing some names around right now, but you are in that mix. Um, this isn't official yet, but I'm just giving you a heads up. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then within the next couple of days, he was like, okay, so you got it. And it was just unbelievable. It had happened so in advance that I had come to peace with like, okay, I may never be in this show, but that's okay. Mm, right. Oh my God. It's so funny. I was told later when I was on the tour, one of the people who were in that callback room, they said, oh yeah, we, we cast you like right after you left the room. Like we had decided you would be in it. We just didn't call until like ages yeah, later. Yeah, kind of like what happened to me. Like they were like, oh yeah, we decided the next day, but. Viva Vinos. That's so cool though, how you both got there after you had gotten to a place where you were like, it's not going to happen. The pressure's off. So Donna, Natalia was telling us earlier about how you were kind of a very helpful resource as she was going into the show and becoming the standby. What was it like on your end to hear that your little sister was going into this role that you really are famous for and have you are an iconic alphaba? Oh, thank you. I was so not surprised. I was like, duh. Because the first time she went in, I was like, she's going to get it. She's just too young right now. Someday they're going to give it apart. When she got it, I was teaching in a camp with Adam Souza, who is the musical director on the tour. And I said to him, I said, my sister just got cast on tour. I was like, I know I cast her. <laughs> and he was like, yes, I did. He goes, I cast her. And he said, I mean, everybody loved her. He goes, but I was like, it's time. Oh my God. I just was not surprised. Like I knew she was going to get it eventually. And I did say to her, I'm like, you're not, you're not a dancer. You're like me. I mean, we can move. No, yeah. Actually, all three years I auditioned, the breakdown for what they were considering before was actually Pink Beret Alphaba Understudy. Oh. Yeah. And so at somewhere along the line, they changed it and was like, no, we'll, we'll do standby instead. I said to you, I was like, you're never going to be Pink Beret. And that's you're never going to be Pink Beret. I said, you'll be, I said, it's fine. They're going to, you're going to make your stand. I knew they'd make your standby today. I was like, that's how it's going to work. So Kevin and I have a theory that every alphabet can fall into a category of their wizard and I alphabet, a defined gravity alphabet, or a no good deed alphabet. And it's not, oh, Donna doesn't agree. Okay. I would love to hear your take. Mm -mm. Because I was a wizard and I alphabet, and then I became a no good deed alphabet. That is so accurate, Donna. And honestly, I'm both. I am not a defined gravity. I do not like defined gravity. I do not like to sing that song. Wizard and I was my favorite thing to do. And then by the time I was leaving, it was no good date. And I think that's part of just being like, I literally feel like I like grew into second act alphabet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's that black and white. Yeah. You know, I think between Wizard and I and no good date, I still am on sure, like which one is like the most challenging one. Cause some days for me, it's Wizard and I. And other days it's no good deed. Another it's it's like it changes. Like sometimes I'm like, ooh, no good deed was like mm, that was everything that I needed it to be. And then Wizard and I, like it'll it'll flip flop. So yeah, there's well, other alphabets have said that Wizard and I is difficult because it's right out of the gate. So if you're kind of maybe having an off day, then that's when you realize it is during Wizard and I. It is, and there's all of this like there's all this adrenaline, and you're running, and there's all this momentum, and so yeah, there's. You, you just you have to have so much, so much 
strength and vocal stamina with that yeah. with that song. I love that. All right. So the Vivinos don't subscribe to our ideology of Oh no, I'm, I'm not saying I don't subscribe to it. I just I don't know which one I am. Like I think one of the stage managers said, Oh yeah, every alphabet has like her song that's like that's her thing. And it's interesting that you didn't even touch Defying Gravity, Natalia. Like we did not mention that as you were talking about the song. Honestly, I, okay, I love Defying Gravity because I like getting in the, <laughs> I like flying because it feels fun and I'm yeah. just like, I love to fly. I don't like singing that song. <laughs> for some weird reason, Defying Gravity is one of the most relaxing moments for me. I hate you right now. Maybe you're Defying Gravity, Alphaba. Maybe. We wanted to talk to you guys, which this feels like a weird thing to say because it's a very low pressure section, I feel like, for Alphaba. Oh gosh, is it when the wizard's singing? <laughs> we we do want to ask though, uh, similarly, about the like something bad dancing through life popular chunk. Okay. Popular's my favorite thing to do in the show, so. Really? Why? Because I love to have a scene with Glinda like that. Mm. Are you sitting on the bunk bed kind of thinking about your groceries for tomorrow or are you in the scene? No, I'm in it. I'm not a grocery shopper kind of. It's hard for me. Natalia, do you have a favorite chunk of that? I love the first classroom scene. Because you have the journal and Donna, you made Alphabet a lefty. I did. Donna, what do you mean you made Alphabet a lefty? Natalia saw the show and she she goes, oh my gosh, you're a lefty too, like me. I didn't know that. I said, no, my alphabet's a lefty. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like she'd be left-handed. Wow. That's so interesting. I love that. I always got the idea because they used to like say that you're from the devil if you're, if you're left-handed, like you're sinister. Huh. Donna, I love that acting choice from you. But Natalia really is left-handed. Wicked. She's actually wicked. And I like to really write in the journal in some shows that I did. I would I would actually be taking real notes. Like Dilliman would be talking and be like, okay. And this, like I would just want to really be in class. Like I liked it. That's so you. Popular's fun too, because like Donna said, you get to watch Glinda be Glinda and it's really fun. And she may like shake things up one night or do something a, a little different than she normally does. And it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Like, Have either of you ever broken during Popular? Like the Glinda makes you laugh? I mean, I used to do it on purpose sometimes for Allie. <laughs> because no, the audience was, she would just have them in the palm of her hand. It's getting to the point where I'm like, I think they're waiting for me to break. So mm-hmm. I, better... I love that. That's funny. I always love the moment in Dancing Through Life between Alphaba and Nessa Rose. I think that's a super sweet little transitional moment where she's talking about Bach. Oh, yeah. I have to take it back. I like when Glinda dances with Alphaba. Oh. Mm. There was a moment, probably five months into my run, with Katie Rose when I was doing the role full-time. She came over and the way she looked at me when she started to dance with me, I just started to freaking ball. And like that, and that's not a good choice. But I just was like, like she just really made me cry. That is a beautiful moment. I mean, I think it's when they not fall in love, but kind of like their relationship. Yeah, where it becomes real. Yeah. Is it lonely being a standby in Wicked? I firmly believe being a standby is what you make of it. You know, no show is guaranteed. It comes when it comes. And, you know, you just learn to enjoy every moment. You know, once I got over the intimidating parts of covering Alphaba and thinking like, oh, can I do it? Then it's like, now I can like enjoy other parts about being a cover and take a lot of pride in that position because I just learned how essential covers are. Mm. You know, you have to have a lot of self-love and like, you have to try not to be too hard on yourself. If you go on and maybe it wasn't exactly how you envisioned it would be or should be. And, you know, you have to remember, it's like, I don't do it eight times a week, Mm -hmm. but when I go on, I give it everything I can 
and be proud of yourself for that. It's it's hard, yeah. but it's also pretty fantastic. Honestly, every performer at least once should experience being a cover of some kind because it teaches you a lot. I love being a standby. Mm. I loved it. So I stood by and then I took over and I did the role a year and nine months. Mm-hmm. How was that? I was hesitant because I was tired. Yeah. It's a year on tour. And I was fried on that second contract. That was when the No Good Deed Alpha started. Oh, interesting. So before Broadway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then that ended and then I took about a year off. And I remember I was so tired. And, you know, there was talk like, do you want to go do it in New York? And I was like, I want to stand by in New York for a while. So you were offered Broadway lead because I the lore of it all is that you were offered Broadway lead and decided to stand by, which I love. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I the way it went down was I had basically said when I left, if standby on Broadway is available, I'd love that job. Mm. So when you're standing by, and I think this is interesting to ask both of you, because Natalia, you're a relatively new standby, and Donna, you stood by for a long time. When you're standing by for Alphaba and you go on, are you trying to emulate the current principal or are you doing your own thing? So uh, the, our principal on tour is the lovely Talia Suskauer. Her take on the role and mine are different. Mm -hmm. When we have rehearsals, if there are specific notes, is it an alphabet note for just alphabet or is it a Talia specific Mm -hmm. note? Anything that was given as like an alphabet thing, I would also um, take note. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I had a lot of freedom. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Were you like that from the beginning or was that something you grew into? No, I've always been that. That's just me. I'm a natural mimic because I do like impersonations. Yeah. And so I actually would shut my monitor off because I didn't want to hear Carmen sing it because I started to pick up on some of her vocal habits. Not that she's not amazing, but that's not my voice. And Donna, is it a difficult, you have an air about you that it is not a difficult thing for you, the role of Alphaba. Stephen Aramis came in Minneapolis when I took over the role. Mm-hmm. He came and saw me and he's like, you can take alternate notes if you want. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Because I literally sang it by the book. Oh. The entire, I always did. Not a single, absolutely. Because Stephen Schwartz wrote it a certain way for a reason. And then Stephen Aremus came and he's like, I think that you should take some alternate higher notes. Mm. And I was like, am I not sounding exciting? He's like, I just wanted to sound da- more dangerous. And yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. got it. I mean, when Stephen Schwartz came to see me do it, and I was so tired and I didn't even know he was in the audience and I sang the score. But Stephen actually said to me, like, I have not heard the score in so long. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think your Wizard and I things I've never felt no one else has done. And it is so good. They all do it now, I think, right? It's No, it's a little different than yours. What do they go? Yeah. Everybody's going higher and I'm going, yeah, I didn't want to go as, I was like, that's a whole lot of excitement. <laughs> Natalia, what about you? Is it a difficult thing or are we kind of, the Vivinos just got the chords? So in the beginning for me, it was a difficult thing with all the moving around combined and adrenaline. And there were a lot of things I had to learn to manage. Um, A lot of it too was just like stamina, endurance training. I did a five show weekend in St. Louis and that was such a blessing to get to experience because then I really had the feeling of cool. This is how it feels to do one after the next. This is how it feels to do doubles. So suddenly my confidence like went way up. So you both were on tour when all of the COVID craziness happened. All right. Yeah. If we can just quickly, I feel like everyone's over talking about COVID and what happened, but if we can quickly just give us the rundown about each of your experiences. I mean, Broadway shut down first. Mm. Once that was going on, we were like, huh, how does that work? And um, it was March 12th, I remember, and I was getting ready to go to work. And 
we got an email and it was like, you got a everyone company meeting on the stage shows canceled tonight. We have to talk like, and it was like, so I guess we all thought in the beginning that it would be like, Oh, it'll probably be a week or two tops. And it just kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And my, my crazy ass was a very different experience. I bought N95 masks in January. Really? I'm a crazy person, but I knew because I work for Disney Cruise Lines as well. I do a solo show and I'm down in the Caribbean. They're asking these questions and the cruise director's shaking her head like they just shut down Hong Kong Disney and Shanghai Disney. I'm like, they, they never shut down. What, what do you mean? Yeah. So I started to do a lot of research. And when I went back to tour, I was literally like, there is no way this has not come to New York already. So I ordered like these N95s and I would wear them on the planes. Then I decided, you know, what? I'm going to fly home my day off and get my car. I'm not getting on planes anymore. And so then like, I remember it was March 10th and somebody in the show, like knocked on my dressing room. They're like, Hey girl, like, where are you going to stay in St. Louis? I'm like, St. Louis. I'm like, that's in April. I'm like, Oh, we're going to be shut down this week. And he's like, stop, don't say that. And I'm like, no, really though. We need to yeah. be yeah. like, like, it's not, it's not cool. Like we actually, we need to be safe. So two days later we were, but it's still, you know, listen, at the end of the day, like theater, theater has been around since the beginning of time. It'll be back. Vivinos, this has been so much fun. So where can people find you on social media to keep up with the Vivinos? My Instagram and Twitter are both at Natalia Vivino. And mine are at Donna Vivino. I mean, simple, easy. I have a huge teaching business online. It's broadway-unlimited.com at B-W-A-Y unlimited uh, on Instagram. And it's unlimited because together we're unlimited. Perfect. Thank you so much, Vivinos. That was so much fun. Quincy, I got to tell you, I was a little nervous to have two guests at the same time. Mm -hmm. But now I feel like I could do three, four, five, six, seven guests at the same time. Let's do a Real Housewives reunion style show with all alphabas and we're the Andy Cohen. Okay, first of all, I love that. I'm imagining like a 16 person Zoom call with like you and I as the center squares. I honestly don't think I could handle that. I think two alphabuzz is my limit. If two alphabuzz is my wizard and I, I have to build up to my no good deed, which is four or more alphabuzz. So let's get into how Donna a little bit, she didn't drag us. She just, I'm actually really thankful that she said that because at the end of the day, like we are fans of the show. We, we have nothing to do with the show. We have no authority over it mm-hmm. in any way. I feel like everyone we've spoken to so far, I'm not saying that they were just like appeasing us, but they were have been like into that kind of... They've been playing along with our rules, with our game. Yeah. I'm very thankful that Donna was like, yeah, but... <laughs> oh, I thought it was really interesting that Natalia's favorite section of this huge chunk that we talked about this episode was the classroom scene. Yeah, because that's my least favorite. Yeah, I mean, I do take a little snooze during something bad. I'm not going to lie. If I was going to get up to go to the bathroom during act one, I'd be like, okay, I just have to make it to the... Yeah, the classroom scene. But on brand for Natalia, because she talked about how much of a nerd she is and that's her favorite scene. And the fact that she takes real notes during the scene. The cutest. I hope she gets to keep her notebook at the end of her contract so she can have that forever because that's probably really special. Oh, another thing I loved was Donna's acting choice to make Alphaba left-handed because left-handed people were typically known as evil and sinister. Quincy, I loved that because I feel like you could just be like a really good singer who can make her way through the book scenes and like 
looks good in the green mm-hmm. and that's enough. You know what I mean? Like it, sure. that, like I am satisfied with an Elphaba if she just like can hit the notes, you know what I mean? Cause or, that's yeah. an all order. But then to like hear that she was like, yeah, I was in depth analyzing what it meant to be a witch in whatever like medieval steampunk year that this play takes place in left-handed left-handed it seems to me this is a half-baked hypothesis that no alphabas like defying gravity it wasn't even like oh yeah it's not really my gig she was like absolutely not never pushed herself back from her desk and threw her hands up in defeat like she which is funny because like obviously her defying gravity is fantastic but then when natalia didn't even mention defying gravity when she was giving her answer to that question until we brought it up i was like oh and lindsay pierce also didn't like defying gravity And this is interesting because as an audience member, it's like the show centers on that moment. Yeah, it's built around Defying Gravity. Like that is like the moment for an audience member. And it's so funny that like seemingly for an actress in the role, that's just like a box you got to check. Yeah, because I guess if you really think about it, it does make sense because there's a lot going on in Defying Gravity that as an actor, you need to like be aware of. Yeah, it's a tough technical moment. You have the book bag, you have the cape on, you have the broom, you're standing on a tiny little platform and you're only like, you're hooked in, but you have that little claw around you and then you're up. And then Lindsay Pierce was saying that you're shaking at the same time and you're trying to belt incredibly high. It is just like a lot. It's a lot. Which is funny because when I'm sitting there watching it, I'm living for it. So I thank you, Alphabuzz, for doing what you do. The mission statement of this podcast is thank you, Alphabuzz, for doing what you do. Should put that on a t-shirt. Merch. Okay, Kevin, we just had two alphabas. Let's get into your Galinda corner. I was thinking about how much we love like an Elphaba's last show video. And then I got to thinking about how there is a video, maybe you've seen it, of Chenoweth's last popular. And she adds three and a half minutes to the song because she, the toss toss scene she like goes on a full improv Mm. she literally have you seen it i don't think i've seen it i don't spend time watching popular videos I do feel, Quincy, Elphaba songs have like the staying power. Like those are the earworm songs that you like leave the theater and you like have them in your head. But all of Glinda's material is stupid good. Like she gets three like hella actable songs. I also think that like mainstream wise, like all of my non-theater friends, when you say Wicked, they think popular. Really? Yeah, like popular, I think, has broken the mainstream in a way that No Good Deed hasn't. Well, sure. Even like my straight guy friends will hum to popular or like they'll sing popular to appease me because they know I love Wicked and musical theater and stuff. Huh. Maybe it's because of the Ariana Grande cover. Maybe. <laughs> Is that giving Ariana Grande too much credit? No, there's no such thing. Anyways, Kevin, thank you so much for that Glinda Corner. Quincy, thank you so much for giving me the space to talk about Glinda. Every day, Kevin, broadening my Glinda horizons. What would I do without you? You wouldn't have watched Drag Race, apparently. All right, guys. Another episode in the books. In the Grimmery. In the Grimmery. Another episode in the Grimmery. We'll see you guys next week. We will not see you, but you will hear us next week. You'll hear us. Or maybe not, because this might be the... No, you'll hear us. <laughs> we gotta get a clean out joke. <laughs> Just play the music, Quincy. <laughs> You've been listening to Sentimental Men. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi. 
Thanks to Julia DeMarzo for our thrillifying artwork. And thanks to you for tuning in. You can reach us at sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com. Or on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sentmenpod. That's S-E-N-T-M-E-N-P-O-D. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. I was posting a Finsta of you. Talking to him, and I hear, 925, and I'm like, okay, Quincy, thank you.